0: week 10 is behind us week 11 and whatever form or fashion of the 2020 cultural ball season is ahead of us don't know what it's going to look like as far as uh teams around the nation but we do know that we got our guy here Stephen hamner ready to break down whichever games are played regardless welcome back to another episode of the qb spot by podcast as always you can find us on twitter at qb spotlight you can find myself on twitter at eric c henry underscore you can find the qb spotlight article we are you know making waves you can find qb spotlight everywhere soon you might find us in uh at a your local public's or wherever your uh, grocery store is um but you can find the the, the qb spotlight uh article excuse me at underdog dynasty.com. and last but certainly not least you can find our renaissance man our qb guru uh budding father budding entrepreneur Stephen hamner Steve, what's going on, my
1: man? Uh, Eric, what's going on, brother? Just down here in uh, in Texas now. It looks like i i i left i left the the sunshine state just in time to to miss that storm heading your way. Listen, man, you guys can't see what
0: I see, man. You know, Steve's be' back in Texas. He's got that Texas sun shining down on him, man. You can see the gleam in his eyes a little bit. You know, the hair looks better, man. He's uh, he's back over in Texas. All of a sudden, he's, he looks like a new man. Having back home.
1: <laughs> Yeah, good to be back, man. Good to be back. You know, good, been a good three years in Florida, but, you know, back, back to old Tejas.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I've never heard it referred to as such, but, you know, the sunshine state is still here. Not quite sunny here in Tampa, Florida, as we are experiencing the um, effects of Tropical Storm ETA. Eta. I don't know how we're we are pronouncing that one, but that's what we've got going on here. But enough about Texas, enough, enough about Florida. Let's jump into the podcast itself. We're going to try something a little bit different, always toying around, uh, listening to your feedback and suggestions. So we're going to try this out. You know, this is something that Steve came up with, and I am more than happy to jump into it. Shout out to the um, suggestion by our guy, Joe Broback. He's also another college football content creator. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Broback. He suggested this question. Uh this question essentially is what would be the top five G five quarterbacks by talent? And Steve, uh, I'm gonna let you take it away first, however you want to answer that question, and I will kind of um chip in as where I see fit and maybe kind of give some guys on my own.
1: Okay, perfect. So, and just so so you know, everyone listening knows like when we say talent, it's not like who is the best right now. It's not right. Who projects best to the next level? It's just as far as ta- pure talent goes. So they could be developed right now. They could not be developed. And just because the conferences we kind of cover, uh, being the American Conference USA, Sun Belt, and Mountain West, uh, I left the the MAC out of it. So hopefully, no one is too upset about that. Uh, so, so top five quarterbacks and and the group of five with the exception of the MAC. So. I'm just gonna, Eric. How about this? I'll just kind of run down my list from five to one, and then sure. we kind of go back and, and talk about it. Um, sure. So number number five was my toughest one, and I have like a I have like a five A, five B, five C type deal because I feel you can put all these guys in the same box essentially. So I, number five, I've got Shane Bouchelle, Brady White, Zach Smith, all former Power Five quarterback transfers that are now you know, playing in the, in the American conference and have all have all shown glimpses of their talents. Uh, number four, and I'm sure you could argue all this, you know, either way, but number four, I have Carson strong soft, redshirt red shirt, sophomore quarterback from Nevada, uh, definitely an NFL future. He might even be, he might even should be higher on this list. Number three, uh, I have Dylan Gabriel. I'm sure UCF fans will, will want that number one, but um, he's number three kind of right now on the list. Number two, I have Desmond Ritter, uh, from cincinnati and number one i have hank bachmeyer from boise state even though we've only seen one season in a game this year of him uh just again from from a talent standpoint he uh, could potentially be the, the most talented quarterback in any group of five conference right now
0: so steve want to ask you this before i you know jump into my list because my my list you know just kind of doing this thought exercise as i got it this morning pretty similar to yours you know yeah. just to be completely honest the only guy who i kind of toyed around about putting in there was i i I really feel and once again you know this is talent not necessarily um the way they're performing but i i am a lane hatcher fan i i I just kind of like his makeup but maybe he doesn't necessarily have the you know um the arm talent of some of the guys you mentioned. That's why this is the QB Spotlight podcast, brought to by Stephen Hamner, and not me. Um, but Steve, I, I want to ask you this. You know, so let's go ahead and, and, and run down the list here. And if we're talking about Hank Bachmeyer, what do you like about him? Well, the thing, first thing that jumps out to me is his size. Yep. Um, But Hank Bachmeyer, and then Desmond Ritter, specifically with those two guys.
1: Yeah, I think, I think with Hank, we, we saw we saw more than glimpses glimpses like last year, even before sure. the sure. opening game against Florida State, where he's getting. This you know, helmet popping off, and he he, he leaves them back for down by two or three touchdowns. Leads Boise State back to beat Florida State. So from that begin that get go, you're like, wow, this kid's got something special. He was the highest rated recruit uh, in Boise State history for quarterback, and I want to say of all time, if I'm not mistaken, could have gone to several Power Five schools. Uh, j- j- just a an NFL caliber dude, good athlete, good size, good arm, and has a lot of room to grow. And as far as as far as Desmond Ritter goes. Um, someone who we've talked about not critically on the podcast before, but just you know wanting to see more. Uh, haven't seen a ton of uh, you've just seen glimpses of him until about the past three games when they played SMU, U of H, Memphis, and he's been on fire, having uh, eight total rushing touchdowns, five total passing touchdowns, uh, and kind of like their toughest stretch, if you will, uh, in conference. And he's really kind of turned the corner. But regardless, even if he hadn't turned the corner there the The talent is there as far as his, as far as his athleticism goes, and his pure just uh, just arm strength and arm talent. So I think those guys are, from a talent standpoint, are, are you know more than able to play at a power five level. And, and Hank Bachmeyer projects well at the NFL level in a few years.
0: Steve, can you give me a comp on Desmond Ritter? I mean, personally, I'll admit, you know, sure. since covering Conference USA, I haven't had a ton of time to really hone in on the American as much as I did back when I was a layperson and a student at UCF, but uh desmond ritter's been kind of hard to figure out right because if you just look at his numbers you almost want to pigeonhole him as that like dual threat kind of leaning towards run type guy i'm just wondering if you can give me a comp on desmond ritter
1: so if i had to mm, that's a good question i would say and i'll just for i know we have a lot of conference usa listeners so i'll compare him to Jamar smith losing a tech the past few years but a more athletic Jamar smith someone who, who who is looking to run more often uh than Jamar Smith, but uh, always had the talent, right? Like J.M.R. Smith, the past few years, always had the talent, always had the arm strength, could spin it, uh, and things didn't click until his senior year completely. So this is kind of, I feel like for, for our Conference USA listeners, that's a pretty good comparison, just a, a more athletic version and probably uh, more upside and, and a higher ceiling.
0: Once again, uh, Steve, I apologize. I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of these questions here, but I think it's kind of a good thought exercise. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. And
0: I think Broback will appreciate this question as well. Yeah. If you, if we flip Brady White and Dylan Gabriel, how do their respective programs perform? Ooh,
1: that is a good question. I would say this. I don't think, I don't think there's a huge drop off either way. Uh, I do think. I think Gabriel is a more talented quarterback, and so therefore, I, I would say that Memphis's ceiling is probably higher than what it is right now. But it's already pretty high with Brady White, um, and then Brady White being at UCF. I feel like you know, without contradicting myself, you could make that same argument that now Brady White has, you know, he, he's used to having a, a solid running game and then Coxy to throw to. But UCF has a wealth of riches. I think it's fair to say from a, a playmaker uh, kind of point of view and standpoint they probably uh have more you know playmakers overall than memphis has had so you know it's fair to to question could brady white's game be elevated uh but but i think ultimately uh you memphis's uh memphis as offense would be elevated to maybe a bit more consistency because we've seen brady white at times not be completely consistent uh but like like i said i don't i don't think there's a huge drop off either way
0: um, I think you kind of touched on some of the things that I would have gone with, Steve, as far as I think, quite frankly, the things that are asked of Brady White and the things that are asked of Dylan Gabriel are a little bit different. And if you put Dylan Gabriel in Memphis, at Memphis, I think the things that may be asked of of him are more, whereas the, the things that would be asked of Brady White would be less. And once again, yeah, yeah. I hate trying to pigeonhole Brady White as a game manager, right? Because right. if you look at Shearer, physical makeup and talent coming out of high school, you would think this guy is potential number one overall pick in the draft. But uh, I think we've seen enough at this point to kind of know what he is and play to his strengths. want to ask you about Carson Strong. You look at his size, 6'4", 215. You look at the numbers here. You know, uh, this year he has uh, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, 1,181 yards, c- completing 73.3% of his passes. Kind of give me, you know, just in terms of pro potential, what yes. do you see with Carson Strong?
1: So I, I feel like you could make an argument that Carson Strong has the most pro potential, the most talented guy on this list from a from a throwing just pocket uh, perspective. Um, so, for example, last year start he was the started the majority of the games as a redshirt freshman, and, and you know came on strong towards the end, ended up with, a, with eleven touchdowns all year, and within the first three games of their season this year he already has 9 touchdowns like i said zero interceptions his completion percentage has been 75% 77.9 69.2 at least 200 i'm sorry at least 350 yards passing in each game with at least two touchdowns in each game he, he he's playing some phenomenal football and to me he looks uh like a he looks a bit more like, like he's in better shape this year a little more a little more slimmer if you will a little more athletic he's moving around a little better but he he's really showcased his arm there was a, a play this past weekend, they played, uh, I believe, Utah State, and uh, it was an incomplete pass. It was 65-ish plus yards in the air, and he also had a, a 60-yard bomb in the air, too. So impressive arm strength. All the attributes are there. He's only a redshirt sophomore. He, he could be getting some NFL buzz by the end of this year. Not he, He's not going to be drafted this year. Of course, we will come back, but the buzz could start kind of getting there and, and being around Carson Strong. So talented, talented guy. I think he played basketball and football in uh, in high school. I think he's a, a California kid. So, uh, you know, he's been prepared and, and groomed. But um, someone I think very, very highly of. And, and if you haven't, you know, stayed up late to watch some Mountain West football, I would, I would definitely recommend watching Carson Strong go to football.
0: Going to move on to another unique exercise here that I, I like you picked out. And I think it'll be a little bit of fun banter between the two of us here uh to speak to to give it out to our listeners here we go if i can spit that out we're gonna pick one quarterback from each conference to lead you the lead our teams for the rest of this year and one quarterback to lead for the next few years that we'd want to develop right now as steve is listed here in his notes it can be the same for example dylan gabriel since he's only a sophomore and we'll do this for the american conference usa the sunbelt mountain west steve um before we get right into the draft you just kind of want to elaborate on what kind of crossed your mind with this exercise here
1: yes i was just i was just thinking about, okay, there's been, we've had a lot besides, you know, with the exception of the Mountain West, we've had uh, from the the American Conference saying and Sunbelt, we've been able to have eyes on at the bare minimum at least like five or six games from each school besides Rice, you know. So we've been able to see uh, a good amount of quarterback play. So we've been able to see, okay, if I had my own team, and I, I need one quarterback to lead me the rest of the way, so it can be senior, junior, sophomore, freshman, whatever, who would it be? And then if I'm building for the future, let's say, okay, uh, you know, I, I'm building for next year, two years, three years down the road, so of course I'm not going to have, you know, Brady White, Zach Smith, Shane Bushell. Now I need to look younger, uh, then who would it be? And let me ask you this, Eric, before we go with the, with the exercise. Now, should we do where um, – should we do where if you pick, like say for Dylan Garibaldi, if you pick him to be the quarterback for this year, should we take him to be off the table for picking him for your future quarterback or still keep him in?
0: No, no, I, I, would, I would be fine doing that for both if, if it's applicable.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Okay, I, I just wanted to, to run that by you. So, you know what, I'm going to give you the first pick in, in this draft. Let's go American.
0: American, okay. Well, then I'm going Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> I, I appreciate the uh, the niceties there, but since you've made it that simple, I, I not only do I get to choose a UCF quarterback, I get to choose the best quarterback in the conference. So that made that pretty simple.
1: Yeah, I, I figured I figured you'd pick him, and, and right now I would choose uh, Desmond Ritter just with how he's been playing. But I feel like I feel like the I feel like the first pick is a no brainer for Dylan Gabriel. I feel like the second pick, like maybe I'm just getting maybe like I'm being seduced by like Desmond Ritter's past three games. I'm just like in awe, like wow he's playing great. I'm forgetting about you know the games prior. Maybe I should be picking like a Shane Bouchelle who's like way more consistent. That's probably the that's probably the beggar. That's probably the better pick for the the number two pick. But you know what? I'm getting seduced. I'm going Desmond Ritter uh, just because that upside's so so high.
0: Now, really quick, I'll give you this. Yeah. If we had to choose different quarterbacks, right? Right. And, um, in, in your case, yeah, because Desmond Ritter, you can get away with that, him being a junior, so you can go one more year, right? If I had to pick one to leave him for the future, I'm buying all in on Michael Pratt. How do you feel about
1: that pick? Yes, yeah. okay, 100%. So Michael Pratt was on my list for the future. So, uh, so for the future pick, I had Michael Pratt, but I also had – Man, I'm like on a Cincinnati train. I had Evan Prater, who's a, a true freshman at Cincinnati, who's a big time recruit, could have played at several Power Five schools. And I also have Ben Bryant, who's a backup sophomore quarterback. I just, that, that quarterback room is set. They're all athletic guys, all like Desmond Ritter, all have big arms. So it looks like I'm like all in on Cincy right now.
0: <laughs> all right. So since you were nice enough to give me the first pick, I'll pass it to you with Conference USA. Who are you
1: taking uh, with your first pick? Man, so th- this might be the toughest. Right now, I think, mm, if I have to, and just so the listeners know, we're picking the quarterback. We're not picking like his team to come along, like right, obviously. Um, so i had I had three guys I was considering, um, and after I picked this guy, uh, I meant, I want to see, of course, who you pick, and then if, if you can guess who my third guy was, but I'm going to pick Grant Wells from Marshall right now.
0: So you're gonna pick Grant Wells for both as your guy right now and your guy for the future, or just for for right
1: now? I just want to clarify that. Um, man, there's so many young sophomores. I'm I'm all in. I'm picking Grant Wells for my future and for right now.
0: Okay, I, I think that's a fair pick. He is a freshman. You know who I was kind of toying around with, to be completely honest with you. I, I Steve, this would be a, such a controversial pick, yeah. but. Kavaris Thomas ha- was wow. such a highly rated recruit coming out, wow. and it just feels like there's something there. This is this is going for the future. This wouldn't be for the rest of right now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. H- how? However, I'm not gonna gonna select them. Uh, okay. Th- I just don't think you have enough of body of work. Yeah. So for right now, it's tough, right? It, yeah. it, 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 I I don't want to just go to the default and go at Asher O'Hara. Yeah. But. If to, okay, if all things are considered equal and I'm just need a quarterback yeah. to build around, that's tough. Cause I mean, again, I, I, there's some turnovers, there's some passes you see that Asher making just like, where did that come from?
1: But you also understand he's trying to make plays for his team. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's tough, man, because Conference say has lost, lost so many quarterbacks last year, you know, like a lot of like solidified guys, you know?
0: Oh, okay. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and, um, this pick may be a little bit controversial. Okay. But I, I And everyone listening to this podcast knows how much of a fan of Asher we are. But I'm, I'm going to take a pass. I feel like we got to show some love to some other guys. Sure. I'm going to go with Luke Anthony. I think he's he's not getting enough love uh, for right now because yeah. he's he's a senior. He's not getting enough love for – and granted, he's a guy who's still technically in a quarterback competition. But right. when you look at his numbers, he's performed fairly yeah. well. I believe he actually leads CUSA in touchdown passes. Yeah. Now, if we're going for the future – I am torn, but I'm gonna take a run on. Oh
1: man, this is tough. So you, you want me to tell you who else is on my future draft board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I had I had I had Jason Bean on my future draft board. So from, did I. So did I. You know, it's like a limited number of work. I also had Chris Reynolds, of course, for now and for draft board. Um, but you know, ultimately, I went with I went with Wells. But I'm interested to see see who who's your future pick now.
0: Who I was toying around with, Steve, honestly, is Gavin Hardison. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. I think physically, he's got a great build. You know, he's got that, that QB build. And I think UTEP, it's not necessarily fair to judge him on his, his yeah. numbers yeah. because the team is still growing around them. You know, yeah. they have him. They have Deion Hankins. They have Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowan. Yeah. A couple of nice pieces on defense. But the team is still depleted you
1: know so and i
0: think you i think his best football has yet to be seen put you that, that way
1: that's fair so it's almost like a good way to explain the exercise would be like if we put so marshall is probably the best team in conference usa so if if what? we any of these quarterbacks and put them on marshall's roster is that is that a fair way of how we draft like if you if you put luke anthony in marshall's roster you know then he may be the guy you want for this whole year right and then if you put hardinson on on a Marshall's roster. He's a guy who could develop for the next few years. Is that fair to kind of say how he broke now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Good. Yep. So, with that, we're going to transition to one more thing before we actually do a little bit of a preview here. I thought this was really interesting. And, Steve, your background, having played the position, I wanted really to get your perspective on this quote. Uh, about two hours before taping this podcast, about three hours before taping this podcast, I had a chance to get my uh, weekly chat in with. FIU head coach Butch Davis, and I asked him specifically, because one of the things Coach Davis has talked about is the need for his quarterbacks to get the ball out of their hands quicker, right? And to give the listeners at home who may not be huge FIU fans you know, a little bit of background. FIU the past two years, in 2018 and 2019, they were among the nation's leaders in fewest sacks allowed. In 2018, they only allowed eight sacks. 2019, I believe that number was 13 or 14. Quarterback for the majority of both those years was James Morgan, right? If you fast forward this year, the Panthers have already given up 11 sacks through three games, and Butch Davis said that, hey, not all those sacks have been on my offensive line. I need the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands quicker. Now, Coach Davis, being a veteran coach, you know Butch isn't going to like go into great detail as to what he means by that. He's just going to give you a little something, right? But in our chat today, I asked him, you know, hey. The question was, do you have uh, any ways that you kind of game planning or scheming to get the ball out of your quarterback's hands quicker, get the ball into your hands of your playmakers at receivers, right? And Butch said, you know, hey, it's not necessarily that post-snap they're holding onto the ball too long or they're late with the football, right? What it is is that pre-snap, the the pre-snap recognition isn't there. Uh, I sent you the entire quote, Steve. I'm trying to to walk the listeners through the quote a little bit. It's saying that the pre-snap recognition, as far as knowing, okay, here's my first, second, and third read based on what the defense is showing me, and then if they play this, then I can come off of this read and go to this read and go through my progressions. Having that mental capacity pre-snap isn't necessarily there because a lot of the quarterbacks haven't played a lot of football, whether it's Kalen Wiggins, Stone Norton, or Max Bortenschlager, right? So if you go back, one of the things that he talked about with James Morgan is that pre-snap, he was very, very efficient, so that the ball came out of his hands quicker. And that even if it wasn't necessarily a touchdown pass or a first down, the decision was made, all right, we're going to get the ball uh, out of my hands for throwing it away or the ball out of my hands to, to a check down or so on and so forth. Steve, the fans of this podcast don't come to me for that information. They want to hear your thoughts on it. So I was wondering if you kind of, you know, not even from an FIU perspective, but just as a quarterback perspective, young quarterbacks, high school quarterbacks may be listening, anyone. Yeah, uh,
1: kind of break a, take us inside
0: and break down that quote piece by piece, and I sent it to you, so I know you got a chance to listen to it as well.
1: Right. So, so obviously, this isn't from the from the FIU perspective, but let's just take the FIU offense for example, because that's what we're talking about. And so, if you're talking about like if, if you're watching James Morgan from last year, he was a very rhythmic passer. Uh, it, it's a lot of timing routes. So a lot of the routes uh, correspond with a three step drop, five step drop five-step and a hitch with a play action with one hitch and go. So a lot of that timing, um, a lot of the timing goes into the quarterback's read, but he knows when my fifth step, say if it's a five-step, if it's a five-step bang route, bang being like a skinny post. And I know my I'm, as a quarterback, when my fifth step hits the back, the ball has to come out, then I have to know my read fairly quick. So for example, if, if, that's, if that's the case, then my pre-snap read. Okay. I, I have different cues. You know, I have, usually I have a, a read side and a back side. So let's say the left side is my read side. I have two wide receivers out there. I'm reading a, a DB linebacker and safety. I have a backside to come off to if those reads aren't there. So if that's the case, Uh, and I see whatever, let's say I see two up-top safeties, and I know in my head, okay, it can either be a cover two, a cover four, pre-snap read. However, when I hike the ball, if I see a safety come down, that that means, okay, now it's either cover one, cover three, some type of man, right? And and that safety is either either covering a man, uh, covering one of my receivers, taking a spot of a linebacker who's blitzing, or something along those lines. So now I know, okay, these are the options – and regardless of what happens with that, what happens? Excuse me. And determining uh, my my play and, and those reads will determine where the ball goes. And so it, it's 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 one thing to process during film, and like you said, it's another thing to process during practice. It's a whole other thing to process during a game. I think something that you know why James Morgan was so successful so quickly is one he was extremely talented. Worked his worked his tail off. Uh, but he had that experience at Bowling Green, and so he had, you know, he was able to process information quickly. So I think that comes with time, but it also can come come just simplifying things. A lot of times, you can just look at one defender, depending on the the coverage and depending on the route, and w- what that defender does at the snap of the ball can tell me where I need to go with the ball. Um, if, if if that kind of makes sense, I know I rambled on a little bit, but initially the to, to kind of wrap up the the initial answer would be. OK, what's the pre-snap telling me when I hike the ball? If this defender does this, where am I going with the ball? You know, and, and so no, knowing pre-snap, knowing what to do if things change pre-snap and also knowing like defenses are smart these days, they're probably t- trying to disguise something. So knowing you're going to have to process that information fairly quickly, extremely quickly, I should say.
0: If you are a QB nerd, a really like just you know savant, really just fanatical about QBs, this is the episode for you because we're gonna dive even deeper into this. Steve, yeah. the onset of our relationship started when I asked you for some perspective as far as James Morgan's um, time at Bowling Green versus what he had at FIU, right? Right. And one of the things that came to you was the nuances between the um, not run and shoot, but you know, essentially the. Um, the Bowling Green offense, the, the Dino Babers um, air raid, the, the, there we go, the, excuse me, the, the, the Mike Jinks air raid, I'm sorry, uh, sure. Dino Babers was a different style of offense, the Mike Jinks air raid, right, and sure. one of the things I came to you, and you said to me, and to be quite frank, James Morgan said to a, a, a certain extent as well, in the air raid, in that type of offense, some of the reads are predetermined, correct, M- sure. M- Yes. all right, So, so can you elaborate, I want to throw that monkey wrench in there, right, because I really want to get in the weeds, as far as young QBs. If you're a high school quarterback listening and you're running, you know, an offense that's kind of spread, right? Um, yep. which, as you noted, is different. All spreads aren't created equal. The spread does not equal air raid, air raid doesn't equal spread. But yep. if you're a young QB and, and you're running something that's similar where the um read is determined for you pre-snap, how does that how does that affect your ability to process information quickly pre-snap and then kind of um um regurgitated or relayed out post-snap into a successful play.
1: Sure. So I, I think that can actually, with the young quarterback, like simplify things drastically, right? If I just have one read or I pre-snap, I know, okay, I'm going with the ball here. And usually that's going to be like a, say, you know, for a, say, you know, it's a cover three and you're throwing a hitch pre-snap. Okay. I know that that ball is going there or it's, you know, it's man. And you want to take a shot deep. Okay. I know my third steps hitting I'm chunking it deep. So initially like, like, you'll you'll set up the you'll that will just help uh the a quarterback who's getting his feet wet or who's young or who's you know still going through the process of how to read a defense that will simplify things I'm just focused on one one read as opposed to having to go to one read. And this kind of goes to the second part of the question as opposed to going to one read, two read three reads, four reads. When when that kind of happens now I have to know okay, I'm looking front side. I see X is doing this now I'll go my second read. I'm still front side. Okay, this isn't necessarily happening. I got to go backside. And you know, offenses are different. It's like in, in college, one of our back sides, like we would have a front side play call. Like let's say it would be you know, uh,
0: Steve. Yeah. Really quick for for the for the layperson, can you t- uh, explain what front side backside is? Please. Yeah.
1: So my my front side is my, my read side. So you have two sides of the field, or you know, you say let's just to make it easy, let's just say we have uh, two receivers in the left, two receivers in the right. My read side will be. Let's say my read side is my right side, so I'm looking toward my right. I want to throw it to my right and my back side is my third and fourth route. So if my read side isn't there, I'm going to the backside. Um, so for example, in high school and college, uh, we would have read sides and backsides and that definitely helps simplify things and you know you have those in, in normal and normal offenses, but we read this we ran the spread in college and it was more of the air raid attack, but we did have a good running game. But anyways, my my read side, would be doing, let's say, one person is doing a hitch, one person is doing a corner smash concept, or the outside receiver is doing a short route, and the the inside receiver is doing a corner to the to the uh, sideline. My backside might be like double slants. It's usually fairly simple that the backside is doing like double slants, or you're doing like a you're doing a shallow cross and a deep cross. So if I have to come off and tell me if this, if this doesn't make sense. But so if I have to come off my read side, my backside receivers are now starting to come into my vision without me having to completely rotate my body and read the other side of the field. Um, and of course other offices are different, like offenses, are, offenses are different. You might have like mesh concepts. Where you're attacking the middle of the field, crossing routes and, and whatnot. But if, if to simplify things, you have the read side, which is what I'm reading. And then you have the backside, which is my backup kind of, uh my backup reads if you will
0: and then the last question i want to ask you steve for young quarterbacks right because once upon a time you were a young quarterback coming into college what's the most challenging thing about learning to kind of um a you know learn that pre-snap information and then b kind of trust your progressions
1: Man, honestly for 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 me and just a disclaimer like i I was not very successful in college but my (laughs) sophomore they moved me to safety so take this for what it's worth but in, in high school i did put up some Not to be an Uncle Rico, but we put up some pretty big numbers. But, (laughs) uh, but I I will say it was it was a speed of the game, and even playing like a small FCS and D three at two small D three and FCS school two small schools, it was a speed of the game, and this like the overall talent like like the starters are pretty darn good there. It's you know you don't see the the big drop off until you have like depth you know until the backups come in that's me like oh, okay i'm pl- I'm playing a lower level of football but but besides that um it was definitely the speed of the game and me the one of the reasons why i would you know end up not being successful in, in college was thinking i could get away with things that i could in high school i think i could do that in college too and ultimately you know it, unless you're extremely talented like a johnny Manziel, then y- you're probably not going to get away with uh playing college football like you did in high school
0: all right, so we're gonna come out of that, of that, you know, deep dive into really kind of uh, get inside the brain of a QB, and we really hope you guys appreciate that, and glad that we were able to kind of um, have Steve's input on that quote, and you know, maybe you guys can glean something from that. Let's go into Week Eleven, Steve. As we go ahead and close up this podcast, take a look here at the American. Well, one guy that we want to take a look at a little bit was Noah Johnson, you know, the USF quarterback, right? You know, someone who came from Alcorn State, was a SWAC Offensive Player of the Year uh, in, I believe in 2018, if my memory serves me correct, got hurt last year, and now is at USF in 2020. Uh, what do you see from him, and what are you kind of thinking as far as that matchup, USF versus Houston?
1: So with, with him and, and Grant, I was able to go back and watch the Memphis game, uh, not completely, but to see enough, man, there are some just side note: Wide open receivers. Memphis's defense is still, you know, is still uh, probably subpar to the least. But regardless, USF hasn't had great quarterback play, and he gave them their best performance. They probably should have won that game. Brady White had a huge uh, fourth quarter to, to lead Memphis back to win. But it gets you thinking, you know, is is he the answer at quarterback for USF? Like the, they have talent, they have a good uh, talent the skill position. Like they just kind of need that quarterback. Uh, but I think hopefully we we'll get to find out against U of H. And then for, for U of H with, with Clayton Toon, you know, you hope they bounce back from their game against Cincy, where they're, you know, Cincy's in a league of their own uh, for at least right now in the American. But uh, interesting to see if Noah Johnson can be the guy, at USF.
0: Another American matchup we've got SMU and Tulsa, which means we got a couple of solid QBs here Shane Bouchel, Zach Smith. So this
1: is interesting. So right now, Tulsa is actually a favorite, like two, two and a half right. points. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that's sort of, like that that's the respect like their defense and I think people are starting to come around like, Hey, this this Zack Smith kid's pretty good. Like if you if you probably talk to NFL scouts, I would even though Bushell's putting up bigger numbers numbers, I would probably say like they lean towards Zach Smith being a, a better NFL prospect than Shane Buschell. And that could you know that could be completely wrong, but just because of a size and arm strength uh arm strength measurable, but uh granted it, it'll be That's going to be one of the games of the week in the the American to see Bouchelle against Tulsa's defense and if Zach Smith can can do enough offensively to keep up with SMU. As far as
0: Conference USA, I guess we'll go ahead and I'm going to play Homer here. So I apologize to Conference USA fans. Maybe listen to this podcast ahead of time. FIU versus FAU. The reason I think this is interesting is because we have two really interesting quarterback situations. Nick Tronti. Uh, don't necessarily know if it's a quarterback controversy per se, but JV on Posey did come in, get a couple snaps, had quite frankly, a very ugly interception. I, I don't know if Shane, uh, Shane, if Steve saw it, but I can go ahead and uh, and walk through it. Just was trying to throw the football away. There were heavy wins uh, last week's game versus uh, Oh, come on, Western Kentucky, and he was picked off. But outside of that, Nick Tronti as a passer didn't really move the ball much. Uh, so it looks like we could see both quarterbacks there, maybe even Willie Taggart Jr. as well. And for FIU, Stone Norton, Max Bortenschlager should be going at it back to back. Steve, what are you looking for from that game?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think you pretty much hit it. Like both both schools, both teams need you know improved quarterback play to be where they want to be like offensively. So I think if we're hitting FIU, which we talked you know about in kind of our breakdown segment man, they just need some sort of passing. If they get the passing game that they got from Stone from Stone Norton in the second half against Liberty, then they have more than a shot to win the game. But if, if they don't get a passing game going whatsoever, then FAU's defense is so good that they're going to probably just shut down FIU's offense completely. And, and then with, with FAU, it's kind of the same thing. Even though Tronty's been a better passer than FIU quarterbacks, there still hasn't been a ton there besides him being able to run the ball here and there. So I guess both, both – Both programs are probably looking to, uh, well, not probably, but they are looking to get elevated at the quarterback position. FAU is probably going to try to get a lead and just ride that defense.
0: So, yeah, Steve, one more Conference USA game I want to take a look at is UTEP and UTSA. We talked about Gavin Hardison a little bit, and UTSA's quarterback situation is one that we've seen is pretty interesting with Frank Harris, Josh Atkins, really kind of a rotation there due to injuries. What are you looking for from that Texas
1: matchup? So I think since since we've talked, we've already, you know, we've talked a lot previous episode about UTSA quarterbacks and we talked about Hardison briefly today, just being a potential talented guy down the road. So I think for, you know, UTEP's already got what, three wins this year. And so, which none have come against conference, uh, conference opponents, but they, you know, they were close to Louisiana tech. So if they're going to get someone, you know, this, this is probably going to be, you know, who they get uh, potentially. So, you know, um, Granted, you know, they, they could be back to the normal UTEP and, and get blown out. But I, I expect if it's close in the fourth quarter, then uh, it should be fun to see Hardinson kind of let it rip.
0: Let's head to the Sun Belt. Coastal Carolina is taking on Troy.
1: What are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, so Troy, I, I don't know if – so Gunnar Watson, the starting quarterback, has been injured. I'm not sure if he's coming back or not. Jacob Free uh, started the past few weeks in his first start played well last week they kind of struggled so it'll be interesting interesting to see if whoever's that quarterback can keep up with Grayson McCall and the the Coastal Carolina offense who uh they're ranked what like 15th in the nation or something as a team so um you know they're they're very very fun offense to watch talk about we talked about the the spread offense and not necessarily being the air raid so that's a great Coastal's offense is a great example of a spread offense which is by no means an air raid offense. So if you're interested in what that looks like, check them out.
0: And let's go ahead and close things up with the Mountain West Conference. we got Colorado State taking on Boise a Thursday night matchup. What are you looking for from that matchup, Steve?
1: So Colorado State, so they just started Patrick O'Brien at quarterback last week. He, he he didn't get to start their first game. This is only the third game coming up, and he played well and led them to a win against Wyoming. Uh, had a couple of touchdown passes, looked good, and was able to actually – Push the ball downfield and open up the offense, which which they were kind of unable to do the on, on week one. So we're we're seeing if okay, can you do that against you know a better competition in Boise? Even though Wyoming's offense our defense was pretty is pretty stout. And then Boise, I'm not sure what's going on at quarterback. I don't know. I think Jack Sears might might have got hurt last week, and Bachmeyer was out. So I don't know if they're down to the third string guy or Bachmeyer's back. Uh, or if Sears is okay. So I won't speak too much on that, but regardless, it should be interesting to pay attention to from that perspective and, you know, see if Colorado state can pull up the upset on a Thursday night.
0: As always, we appreciate the man himself, Stephen Hamner, for his QB analysis. As always, we appreciate you guys for listening without you guys this podcast ceases to exist in any form or fashion as always. Please leave us your feedback, reviews. That's the only way we can help this podcast grow and find the things that you want to hear us opine about. You can find this podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C Henry underscore. You can find Steve on Twitter at Steven S-T-E-V-E-N-Hamner H A M N E R. He will respond to any and all DMs when he is not catching rest from being a newborn father or uh, the father of a newborn, I should say. He's not a <laughs> newborn father. He's the father of a newborn. Uh, how about that, right? <laughs> who's the one who's uh, sleep deprived? And last but certainly not least, you can find the podcast at Apple Podcasts, podcast.apple.com slash spotlight. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. Stay safe out there. And we'll be back with week 11 and going into week 12.